Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where Matt Wyatt is here. And Matt, you are a busy man. You still made time. You're all over the place. You're doing the radio show. You're doing the podcast. You're doing commentary. Um, do you have time to breathe? I mean, we have the Masters going on today. Oh, man. So happy the Masters is going on today mm-hmm. like, in April, mm-hmm. uh, first of all. And it, beautiful weather today. Like, And I'm, I'm on the radio live today, mm-hmm. first time ever covering opening round of the Masters and opening day Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. uh, which is always every year for us an easy show because – Opening day Major League Baseball every year, we have fun. We take two hours and just go back and we're like, we're like listening to old classic calls and Harry Carey and Vince mm-hmm. Scully. We just sort of celebrate baseball. Well, today we doubled up because we had the, you know, opening round of the Masters. And so I'm just really happy to see green grass and sunshine, even though the wind's supposed to blow there at Augusta, like what, 30 miles an hour tomorrow? Something like oh, that. Oh, is it really? I'm going back well, to Atlanta, Martha. It's supposed to blow. I, yeah. I, yeah. You know, to what degree, I don't know, but I think they're anticipating that tomorrow. Do you think you can pull off that tiger to short sleeve turtleneck, that hot peak turtleneck? You know, define pull off. Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, it, could I pull it off? My wife would laugh. Yeah. But she still loves me. You know, uh-huh. and that's not exactly pulling it off, though, is it? No. Right. A few years ago, I could have, but not anymore. No, I don't think I'm the hot pink, tight, show off your biceps short yeah. turtleneck anymore couldn't do it no i don't think i can do it turtlenecks on guys it, you just got it's bold move turtleneck on a dude is just it's not going to work for most people it's a good in theory thing but it's just yeah. not not a good idea it only works if you're tiger woods yeah or if you're like uh, randy quaid playing cousin eddie <laughs> in christmas vacation you know and it works for a different reason though where it's just iconic <laughs> it doesn't look good it's just it fits you it's like one of those where it just it makes sense right um, well, why did, uh, I know you recently went from three to two. Why, why the change? Yeah, I was doing three hours. Okay. Yeah. So this That's a lot of content. That, well, it is, you know, and <laughs> you think about it, uh, three hours by yourself on the mm-hmm. radio for five days a week. Now, could I do it? The truth is, yeah. I mean, if that were the only thing I was doing, you know, to make a living, then yeah, I, I could have continued to do that. But what happened was, Sort of twofold. One, everything around the radio show is just getting busy and, you know, more work. That's, uh, you know, doing video production stuff and editing and, and, and other media production. Those things take up a lot of time. Uh, that's been growing. Other projects you want to work on, which only leaves so much time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was sort of neglecting that third hour. Um, I felt like most days I was spending that third hour of the show every day looking ahead and trying to get a jump start on everything I had to do when the show was over, as opposed to really doing a good third hour, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, just needed to cut it back. And two is just right now. It's really seems to fit. And, and, uh, yeah, so that's the reason. So you think it's permanent, not going back to three anytime soon? Well, I wouldn't, it's hard to say permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly I just hesitate to say permanent because, you know, I've had a lot of things I thought were permanent and they never have been, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's just, like the only thing that's constant is change in this world. That's it. Especially in media. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you just look at an industry as a whole, uh, there's nothing that has maybe had more transformative change over the last 10, mm-hmm. 15 years than just the media industry as a whole. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. think about it. We had decades where the it was just understood that you got the newspaper, you read the newspaper, you had the radio dial, you had a couple stations, you had a couple TV channels, and that was it. Like, And that was how it was for so long. And now it's just... I, I mean, I have an undergrad degree in journalism. And I'm about to have my master's uh, this year in uh, communications. But it's just something I thought about where I'm like, a lot of the stuff I learned in undergrad years ago is just outdated. Like, it just, it, it's like, what did you pay for? I, I got this education that, like, is outdated. It's not their fault, but it's just, it changes so quickly and so rapidly now that it's hard sure. to prepare kids for what's to come. Like, it's just really hard to do that. Like, I, I'm curious, like if I want to eventually uh, teach a class in journalism at the college level at some point, like that would be something of interest to me because I just, it's got to be so flexible on your curriculum every year. And that's, that's hard. A lot of other industries aren't going through this. Right. You're right. And, and then too, it's hard to also zero in on just one thing. Uh Um. Okay, so you you know you brought up newspaper. Well, mm-hmm. you know what is a 10, 15 years ago you go, well, so and so's a writer mm-hmm. for this publication. But now, you know, you may have someone in sports media that sort of is a writer and a journalist, but they're also a vlogger. They also are podcasting. They also, you know, are, you know, who knows um, what else they're doing in their job, a videographer, because Mm -hmm. everything is together. And, and honestly, Chase, like I saw that coming and I'm older than you too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those where it really hit home for me because I didn't have my whole career in front of me. I had about half my career left in front of me when I looked up 10 years ago and go, man, this thing's changing. Okay. So if I'm going to be in radio, I'm looking at it 10 years ago, 2012, going, by the time 2022 comes along, you're not going to be doing just radio. You know, what you're doing may be on the radio, but it's going to have a written component. It's going to have to have a live video component. It's going to have to have an on-demand video component. Well, I had had a previous, you know, stint in sort of a video world because I started Mm -hmm. in local television. But that was, I'm so old, that was before digital. When I worked at the mm-hmm. TV station in, in Tupelo in the early 2000s, it was still tape, DVC Pro tape. Yeah. So I'm like, I know a lot of this stuff, but I've got to relearn it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just could, you could see it coming that by the time we got here, where we are now, there's no, there's really no such thing as radio or television. It's, it's just, it's content. Yeah. And which you know as well as anyone. And I really sat coming and, and felt like, okay, you, you better brace yourself and get ready. So now, like, you're right. Like, you wouldn't just teach a, a course on, you know, writing for print. Why would you teach yeah. that? <laughs> it, it better have more to it than that, right? So you're, you're exactly right. Like, there's just a lot of ill-prepared kids that I've seen. And it's just, you have to be, there's an entrepreneurial aspect to this that I think is necessary to chase this thing where I talked to my family and um, my girlfriend about this, where it's like, 
you and I are, we're kind of in like the it's not entertainment, but there is a Hollywood type component to what we're doing where it's like <laughs> there's no middle ground, really. Like a lot of people don't have a middle ground. That's why they fizzle out and they go do something else because there's not you either do pretty well and you're set and you're good or you're just g- going to see how long you can grind and operate a loss like this podcast was a loss for me like uh this was a bad like it's like a restaurant thing where it's like you you're losing money for a while and then you just hope that you produce uh good meals and you get enough word of mouth where it's like this place is pretty good you get some consistent turnout and that kind of thing it that's i feel like a restaurateur sometimes because of that kind of thing but you just got to keep at it and you'll see how much you can stomach where it's just i don't think kids knows that like if I could have done college all over again, I would have been like, okay, I mean, I interned at the radio station, which was important. And that's how I got into podcasting where I was like, I don't want to do radio because that's not my, my expertise. Cause I'm a lot more radio is just, I think you have to have a different skill set with podcast, a good podcaster and a good radio host are very, very different things. Very different. And yes. I couldn't do what you do. Like you doing a solo show for two to three hours a day no way i'm out after 15 minutes where i'm like all right that's all folks that's all i got i don't know what else i I can do for you but i can't do the dead air and just sitting there i need to bounce things off other people and i need to have that uh conversation but that's like things it's hard to teach that and it's hard to figure out what your comfort zone is but if you're just like i want to be a writer i've got to bat like it's just not i I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, but it's like you can't do that. You need to be like, all right, I need to do get video. I need to learn video. I need to learn coding. I need to learn how to build websites. I need to learn how to use social media. I need to learn how to write. I mean, writing will always be, but it you need more. You can't just have that. And I think it's just a lot more to take on. So I think you have to be more honest with kids. It's like, if this is what you want, there is a lot more work than it used to be to make this a full time thing. And you might work three different jobs and have three different streams of income to make this work like it mm. it's just complicated as you well know as well it it really is and you know for people who have sort sort of begun to wade out of the other side you know and come out mm-hmm. the other side and and you look back and you're giving that advice to people who are on the front end of this they're just stepping off into the creek into the swamp you mm-hmm. know, on their journey it it's hard to maybe get it across and maybe they still don't understand, but you're right. It's, um, it's not only a grind, but, but it also is, there's gotta be some luck involved and and that's timing. And there's also gotta be an element of you either are good at it or you're not. And those folks will come out the other side. And one of the ways that you become good at something, anything is you get a lot of reps. Okay. So you're yep. talking about, you're talking about radio. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty far in radio terms. I'm pretty far down the road in terms mm-hmm. of reps. Um, and, um, and twofold because it's not just talk, but I also, but also calling games. And so every experience you've had with a headset on and a mic in here on, on live radio, that all adds up to live reps where you become less distracted by the the break's about to start in 30 seconds. How do I wrap this up? How do I take that call? What about this comment? Breaking news is happening. How do we cover that? You're less distracted by all the things affecting you and you just handle it and you can rattle it off. Um, couldn't do that when I first started, uh, but you know, now it's a little bit easier. And so anyway, to, I'm chasing a rabbit, which is <laughs> something radio people do very well. No, this is interesting. Yeah. But I would say, um, that it is, 
one of the positives about the way that the kind of the marketplace is in media, sports media, there are a lot of negatives. Uh, the barrier to entry is kind of a negative because anybody can get started if they want to get started. Mm-hmm. They don't all last, obviously, very few do, but anybody can get started. It's a very low barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, but in order to last and in order to sort of come out the other side of the swamp on dry ground, you have to be good. And um, those that do uh, are pretty good. Those that yeah. cut through are pretty good. One thing too, on what you said, the radio versus podcast, you're right. It is very different. And one of the last times I talked to you, I I remember making this statement. uh, I still believe it. I really cut down on the amount of content I consume. Mm -hmm. And I, I did it intentionally because I started feeling like I can't be a, an avid consumer and a constant producer of content. Because pretty soon they become one and the same. I consume it and I spit it out the other side. And it's like, I'm just repeating stuff I've heard. I'm repeating stuff I've seen. You got to be original. But the stuff that I do consume from time to time, I notice um, if if I turn on a podcast and it sounds like a radio show, Mm -hmm. I generally don't hang with it. Hmm. If I've gone to it, for the purpose of listening to a podcast, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like you guys that are great at in the podcast world at conversation and thought and provoking thought have trained us that that's what we're going to podcast for. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of an ambiguous term. You know, you go podcast. Well, my show has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, what it is, is my show on demand yes. via, you know, via the, it's you're not, not cre- it's not a podcast. Like you're not creating it with a podcast in mind. It's just in podcast well, platforms. Those are two different things. Yeah. That's right. Or a podcast audience. You know, it's strictly mm. it's gonna be there if John Smith from Wiggins, Mississippi missed the show today mm-hmm. and he wants to go get it. Well, there it is, John. You can have it <laughs> there, sort of the, you know. Um, but it's you're right, it's two two different things. I really admire to the the people like yourself that you know you you've seen you had a vision of what you wanted a, a, your podcast to be and really have stuck with it and been consistent and putting in the work i admire that a lot i appreciate that and i mean this is i i tell family like i feel like i'm repeating this but like one of the things i've said because they'll I've been asked like, oh, I have so-and-so who is thinking about getting started with the podcast. And I'm sure you get this a lot with radio and stuff like that. And I always tell them like, I'm not the person to talk to. Uh, Do not ask me because you're not going to like my answer. And (laughs) it's just, I don't want to discourage them, but I think there has to be some level of discouragement from people because you'll figure out if you're built for this, where my mom's an accountant. My mom is a a very um, realistic woman. I love her to death because of that. Cause she would always be honest and was just like explaining, Oh, you want to be a professional podcaster? How is this going to work? Like explaining that to an accountant is just a tough, a tough thing. And explaining it to just a lot of people who do normal jobs. Like this is not a normal thing. And it's like, all right, how are you going to do when you have seven listeners on Tuesday? How are you going to do when you have nine or you go backwards, you go to four or one week, you get one twenty, and then suddenly it all evaporated. And you're like, wait, where did it, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? 
talk to me once you've gotten those reps in. Like I can help you if you've put in the time for months and like you're still like, all right, here's my tape. You kind of have like some some background. You have some experience where I can be like, okay, now I'm seeing where you're at. Find because you need to find your voice. You need to find out what works. You need to fail over and over again. And I don't believe in failure in the sense of like you can mess up. Like part of this is messing up. This show has changed over the years. Like I've learned what I like and what I don't like. Like one of the biggest things I can't even listen to myself like six years ago because <laughs> I was far more into the idea of like, Oh, I got to be a personality. I've got to like get my skip Bayless take or like go super strong Bill Simmons and things like that. And I was like, but that's not who I am. So it speaks to what you're saying where you're like, when you're consuming a lot of other content, you're like, Oh, that's popular. That's. And then you realize you're like, Oh, that's not me though. Sure. I'm more like you and like a Will lead. She's a friend of mine where it's like, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to feel like I dominated a conversation. If I talk more than the guest, I messed up. Mm. I messed up because I want you to learn something from my show. Radio is more about entertainment. It's like, I just love spending time and hanging out with you. Like when I'm stuck in traffic, like you're making me laugh, you're engaging me. Like it's just, it puts me in a better mood podcast people listen to while they're doing housework because they're like i want to learn how uh how london uh, where the roanoke colony went uh, while i'm doing dishes for 20 minutes like uh, that's what i want it to be so it's like when they listen to this with you and i they're like wow i learned some mississippi state i guess at some point on this podcast <laughs> but they learned something that mm-hmm. that's the whole goal and i that when i realized that that light bulb went off or i'm like this is a learning podcast and i am not going to be a hot take guy and i'm not going to be that person because that's just not who i am it gets a lot easier because then it just feels like you're not working you're just being yourself it, it's so true chase i mean what what you're talking about there is sort of uh finding your purpose mm-hmm. you know you, one of the like hot words terms now is your why w-h-y mm-hmm. and you find your why this one purpose i mean that's basically what you're boiling it down to and and yes finding your voice along with your purpose at the same time is like this ah oh, yeah i get it and and mm-hmm. it almost kind of reignite your excitement and you start hammering that purpose every day and it sounds so or can sound cliche but it's so true i mean Find any example you want to find. You know, it's raining outside. Okay. So I'm going to reach over here and pick up this seven iron out of my golf bag and hold mm-hmm. it over my head. Well, you take something and you take something and try to use it in a way that is outside of kind of the purpose it's created for. Yeah. The way it's made. And it's going to fall short of its potential. It's generally going to be laughed at and it ain't going to work. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Right. Same thing. I re- I, I need to hit a 165-yard shot uh, into this big green here, and I'm going to pull out my umbrella. Mm-hmm. And I take a swipe at the golf ball with that umbrella. <laughs> Same thing. Mm-hmm. Fall Short of my potential, it ain't going to get there. I'm going to be laughed at. It's just not going to – it's not genuine. It's not going to – so it's such an extreme example, but you get the point. Like – and – Here's a Matt's belief thing. God created people and things for different purposes in different ways. Um, you, you talk about being yourself. You know, you're different from Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm different than someone else doing radio. And you're not so, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> no, and, and never going to be. 
and vice versa yeah. you know, for that matter. And so you, you kind of figure out, okay, this is what, this is what I'm here to do and do it this way. And in doing that, that's sort of kind of fulfilling the way I'm made. That's what's, yeah. that's what's inside of me coming out. And then and that'll feel better to... than the numbers that will feel better than those numbers. And that's what people are scared of. It's like, if, even if you have a niche or you're not like the creme de la creme, whatever it is, I promise you, you'll feel better with less of an audience. If it's more authentic, like if you, no it, every time, no question. And that is, Hey, go back and tell yourself that in your time mm-hmm. machine six years ago, you'd be like, come on now. Like what you talking about Willis? I don't yeah. know. But now, you know, you're so, you are so right. You are, it's okay. I, I guess, you know, people decide what their goal is in different ways. And for some people, maybe their goal is just strictly to make a living and make money. Maybe that's all it is. But for most that are successful and stay in it, you can call it successful, but, but stay in it and, and have that dedicated audience, whether it's a thousand or a hundred thousand. Um, you're exactly right. You get to a point where you feel like, you know what? Um, I would do this for nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, th- you just feel good about it. I would agree. Well, before we get into Mississippi State, I did have a couple of questions on the YouTube front because you do different uh, kind of videos there. You were doing the vlogs. You mentioned the vlogging stuff. That's the one area I think when I was thinking about like how when I continue expanding my stuff and the brand and I even hate thinking about myself as a brand, but that is part of like what you kind of have to think um, and think in terms of what your brand It's the authentic part is like your brand is the like that that doesn't have to be an uncomfortable scenario, Um, but you do the vlogging and the family's involved and you have your wife on the show and stuff like that, where I've always been like iffy on family and friends. And I've never, I don't know. I've never really landed on anything. Uh, I I haven't landed strongly one way or the other. I've just kind of been straddling both sides of the fence there. I'm like, I don't have a good take. Do they like being involved in the vlogging and on your show? No. Okay. (laughs) No. And now my wife, she doesn't want to be anywhere near a camera. And it's crazy because she, she was a news anchor. That's how I met her. She did that before, you know, um, as a career. And she, basically just walked away from it when she became a mom and, Mm -hmm. and now she helps me and everything. But it's sort of like the backwards angle on that. You know, back to your news anchor. So everything's always made up perfectly. Anytime you get in front of the camera, it's makeup, Mm -hmm. it's preparation, it's hair. So the idea of being on camera without that stuff, like she's not going to do it. Um, But being on the show now, she's happy to put on the headset and talk to me and look, man, People love hearing her on the show. She went to Ole Miss. She was a homecoming queen at Ole Miss in 2000. So I call her homecoming queen. I call her HQ. I always Mm -hmm. have. And so people, the radio audience has gotten to know her that way. And listen, there's something about that uh, happy, nice female voice on sports radio that like if it's a slow day and I want Mm -hmm. phone calls, she gets on there. And all these guys start calling the radio show because they just want to talk to her, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and she's a, she has a great voice and I have tried like crazy to talk her into, Hey, listen, we need to do this full time. Me, mm-hmm. you morning show, husband, wife, something. I've also encouraged her. She's a huge fan of the Hallmark channel. And I said, listen, okay. I said, you start a Hallmark 
movie review or show review podcast. I'll produce all of it. I'll set everything up. You just talk. I'll do all the work because it's pretty niche and I'm sure there are others, but she would enjoy it and it might mm-hmm. She's just, uh, ah, nah, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have not convinced her yet. All right. And Mary Liddy, our daughter. That's a good idea um, though. I bet you there is an audience for that. There's an audience. Yeah. I think there is, you know, it's mm-hmm. big enough and certainly there was two, three years ago. Um, I mean, it's a- become a whole thing. I mean, what's her name? Uh, Candace Cameron has just uh, become like a legend on that. She is like, she is, she is a wild career arc because there are some <laughs> people that know her completely from Full House as a child, yeah. and then These there are, are, yeah, and then there are other people that don't have any recollection of that and only know her from the move, like the Hallmark Channel. It's just kind of funny that she has two very, very different audiences or right. fan bases that do not know the other exists. Right. And before her, see, it was Aunt Becky. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, um, help me with her name. Uh, Lori Laughlin. Lori Laughlin. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause she was Aunt Becky on Full House. And she, before Candace Cameron. Then prison Becky. Prison Aunt <laughs> Becky. Doggone, man. It, this is so proof that if you live long enough, you're going to see some crazy stuff. Aunt mm-hmm. Becky has gone to jail. <laughs> but anyway, before, before it was DJ slash Candace Cameron. You know, it was Aunt Becky on the Hallmark Channel movies. She was mm-hmm. in everything. And I'll admit that as a kid and an adolescent, like I kind of had a crush on Aunt Becky. You know, okay. and now she, here she is and now she's in jail. But then, yeah. so DJ takes over. But yes, it's a good idea. I just haven't t- gotten her talked into it yet. You know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So back to your question. Yeah. Um, well, you were, I think I cut you off with Mary Liddy. Yeah. Mary Liddy, mm. she, uh, you know, she's so outgoing, has no issues with talking on the radio, talking in front of people, singing in front of people, being on camera. She's just, she loves all that. But with her, it's like, she's so busy and never in one place long enough to really even, yeah. you know, nail, nail <clears throat> it down. So I have, I will tell you on the vlog thing, um, mm. a lot of that was experimental because I had no way of knowing, is this something that's going to be, have an audience and be worth the time? I haven't been every day consistent, which is hard to be, but I will tell you one purpose that, that absolutely served that I'm so thankful I did it. Whether it got one view at all on, on some of those vlogs that I put together is it is, is a great way to force yourself to learn the video production side of Hmm. things. Handling the camera, shooting with the camera, processing the video, editing with whatever nonlinear editor, whether it's Final Cut or Premiere or DaVinci. If you're going to vlog, you're going to learn some of those skills and there's no telling what it may open up for you. So I'm thankful for that. It, it kind of, it was just a way to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and now let's say there's, you know, I'm not a daily vlogger by any stretch, but now if there's an event, uh, last year, Mississippi State goes to the College World Series. They're playing in the finals, a chance to win it. I'm going. I'm there by myself. I take everything. I'm going to produce some videos for it. But while I'm there, you know, I'll vlog it each day. Um, so, yeah, it's good to have learned how to have done that. Are you like me where I struggle with this because I'm a lot more introverted than people would assume, um, where they they know that you talk for a living and – they they want to like all my friends who are in business by day and they want to like talk sports at night when they're it's like no that's the last thing on my agenda like i 
I, one of the re- many reasons I love the sports renaissance woman is that like, we don't really, she has no interest. Like we just, that's a separate part of my life. Like I don't have to talk about it. We shouldn't ask. Like I get to turn my brain off from that. And I feel bad because it's a disconnect with family and friends where they want to talk to me about it. And I'm like, well, imagine it being flipped where I was just like dying to talk to you about your day at JP Morgan or whatever. And just be like, here, tell me about what the ins and outs were for today. Like, that's just not something I enjoy doing. And I, I, it's, it, it stinks for me because I'm like, I really don't want to have a Tennessee volunteer conversation with someone who just like tunes in every other week. And it's just like, Oh, Harrison Bailey's he's the guy. And you're like, all right, man, whatever. I I can't, (laughs) like, I can't. Can't have this conversation again. <laughs> Fourth time today. No, mm-hmm. I, I totally get it. Um, you, hey, people would be surprised, wouldn't they, at the number mm-hmm. of introverts who yeah. are in some sort of out front media. It, it's crazy how that works because I'm I'm sort of in that group as well. Here's what you're saying. Years ago, when I was working at the television station, we did an outdoor show also mm-hmm. that, I, that I hosted. We did a thing. We went fishing with this guy who was a successful football coach. And we're out there in his boat at Sardis Lake and we're fishing, we're catching fish and all. And he's telling this story about how the coach that influenced him the most when he was a young coach told him, you've got to have a hobby. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't have one, get one, figure it out and, and, and get into it, whatever it is, get into it. He says, because you cannot handle, you're not going to handle this coaching thing unless you have one. And he said, fishing became that hobby for me. And he says, I love it more than coaching. And I'll admit it. He said, but it's the thing that's got me through all of this stuff. Okay. So mm-hmm. the same dynamics, what you're saying is, you know, you can't go and pour yourself into trying to be good at covering talking sports, whether it's having opinions or, or providing information. And then outside of that also do the same thing. Yeah. It's gotta be something different. You gotta have downtime and. You know, you're, you're so right. Uh, another sort of example of that would be for me, this is terrible to say, but I'm just admitting it. Um, I've had a lot of times, it's, even going all the way back to when I was a f- player in college, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm in Starkville, you know, as a, as a football player on the team. But since then, in my media career, because I've always been on the radio for state and these things, on Sunday mornings at church during football season, for a lot of years and still some now I sort of intentionally sneak in a little, just a little bit late Mm -hmm. and I'll sit in the back or I'll, you know, our sanctuary we go to church has side doors instead of going out the back where everybody else goes out when it's over, I'll slip out the side door. And you hate to say that because you sound so arrogant, conceited that you don't want to be around people. It's not that it's just that that time of year, if I, you know what they're going to say to you, I know what the questions are going to be. Yeah. It's going to be eight different times between here and the Sunday school room. I'll be late for Sunday school, you know, and I, I appreciate that people see me as someone they want to talk to, that, you know, talk uh, to about those things, but I can't, I can only take so much of it. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I'm on the radio, call me then. And if uh, right. you can't fit it in, well then, Hey, there's always next week. You know what I should probably do? I should probably like uh, create a little thing on my phone. Mm-hmm. That is a QR code, right? <laughs> Give me a question on football and it's about the game. I just hold this up and they see this QR code and if mm-hmm. they scan it, it'll take them to my opinion. Right. There you go. And I've already, I said it last night here, just scan this and 
Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Isn't that terrible go. to say that? That is ridiculous to say that, but. but I mean, it's real. Like, I think that's why I enjoy my time with others. Like, that's part of the reason I don't want to talk more is I like, I like associating with other people who understand where I'm coming from and understand what I'm going through. Cause I don't have anyone in my personal life who understands kind of my days and like why I'm frustrated with stuff like that or what, mm. like, it's just a very unique thing. And I just, I don't want to appear standoffish, but there is something too, where I'm like, I can't do this. And you have to have boundaries, like setting up boundaries. People love saying they love boundaries. And then it's like, when they encounter your boundary, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> I just meant my boundaries, just respect mine. I didn't like say anything about yours. <laughs> Yeah, those boundaries, they go both ways, don't they? Have They do. Have you have you reached a point yet where that that same dynamic we're talking about there can affect which sporting events you choose to watch? That may sound weird. Um no, because a lot of it there is crossover, so I have to watch them. So like I have to watch Tennessee stuff. Like there's no way around me watching every Tennessee game. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which has been sure. great the last year. I mean, we're in everything school now. I don't know if you knew this or not, Matt, but Tennessee <laughs> baseball might not lose again. Um, they are good. They are really good. And Vitello is just, he is a rock star, man. It, it is I hope we can keep him. Yeah, I hope we can keep him. I, you know, you look at him and I, you, I, think it's, I think it's right to say, if you're a Tennessee fan, I hope we can keep him because mm-hmm. You're gonna have to fend people off. Period. You yes. know it's yeah. coming. It's coming, and it's just a matter of does he want to stay and what's the offer and those kinds of things. But well, we got money. I don't know if you saw Nico Yamaliava on the way. So the the money is coming out. Danny White. I told my family member this is like one of those things where I'm like I'm not talking about this. I'm not doing the whole Fulmer thing because they all love Fulmer. They all love Fulmer, and they still have not gotten over Fulmer getting fired. And they're like, well, the the common thing is like, well, look at him since. Uh, what what's Tennessee been since Fulmer? It's like, well, the two they're not they're not mutually exclusive. Like, you can still be make the right move at the time and then not follow up the right way. Like that happened. Like Fulmer still should have been out at that point, but it just they botched the stuff after that. So that doesn't it, it just it's a line of thinking well, that I've I, never understood. Okay, people would never. Oh, I, I promise you, I'm not trying to needle anyone i'm strictly trying yeah. to make a yeah. smart example here but lane kiffin mm-hmm. is he is he a good football coach i mean you look at him now yeah okay he's a good coach mm-hmm. somebody came somebody hired him back then right there's no way to know that yes he's going to come open he's going to bounce and pull yeah. that stun after one year's no way to know you know, and you're having to deal with all that. And Hamilton's having to deal with all, you know, he's got paying more buyouts than anybody else yeah. in the country for all these years. So the situation was compounded. And it's not like, okay. You There's just, always more nuance than people want to give credence yes. to. Right. It's like, you you know, you look at if and guy's a good football coach. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Okay. It's, and it may not, it's not Tennessee's fault that he was there for one year and that's it. It was a good hire. Like the process was still good. It was just like one of those things that just, if USC doesn't come open, he's there for a while. And you saw Bryce Brown and what he was doing on the recruiting trail immediately. Like 
the dually stuff like we don't have to relitigate all of that but i just sure, i yeah. that was one of those things i just didn't understand but like with the danny white stuff like him coming in it's like the money's there like danny white was a fundraiser because usc ucf excuse me people don't realize the number two enrollment in the country like us mm-hmm. ucf has a humongous alumni yes. base they are a humongous school so when I, he got hired i was like he's going to tap in like there's a big base and he's if he's fundraising like that at UCF, he's going to fundraise and make some money for Tennessee quickly. So I told buddies of mine, like I have a lot of Georgia friends. I'm from Georgia. Where I'm like, Tennessee's coming. And I think they're coming because the sometimes money just talks. And this is a program that has just had the money. They just don't know what to do. They just have too many cooks in the kitchen. But if he gets all those people together and it's just like, we're going to go get Nico. And hey, it's still a legend. We don't know if he's the guy in the athletic, um, um, the athletic piece. But hey, who knows? Carnell Tate yeah. might be a Tennessee volunteer after this weekend because they're all together in uh, in Knoxville. So I, I'm very excited. Like I, I don't want to say that me moving to Knoxville for grad school two years ago was the key to unlocking Tennessee sports all over again. But I'm also not saying that, Matt. Hey, look, evidence is evidence, right, Chase? I mean, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. No, I. They um, and they've got the right guy in Heupel, yeah, um, yeah. for that program. And they needed offense, they needed quarterback. Okay, and he's offense and he's quarterback, and you knew it. It's it was the criteria there for what they needed was so simple. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I that I, somebody as dumb as me could have made the list of who they needed to talk to, and he's on it for sure. And um, you know, and then it's a matter of it's kind of like that luck piece. You know, you got to have some luck yeah. pieces. Now the recruiting game has changed a little bit, name, image, and likeness stuff. Whether we like it, whether the rules stated or not, it is a part of it. And and the Southeastern Conference too. It's hard to predict. I agree with you. Tennessee's on the way. It's just hard to predict what that's going to look like in five years. When yeah. Texas, Texas, and Oklahoma are going to be here. Uh, the new television contract is going to have kicked in. With you know moving away from CBS over to all ESPN ABC, which is another what is it an extra two hundred fifty million dollars <laughs> or something yeah. total that's getting divvied up around the league, so everybody's going to have so much more money than they already do have just on that yeah. one deal kicking in each year annually. Two new schools, and the scheduling model is going to change too. Um, we're going to something. The problem is, is that from what I hear on the, in the back channels is that you, you don't have anywhere near a unanimous uh, deal within the league among presidents and ADs about what that new scheduling model should be. Is it going to be mm-hmm. pods with three? Is it going to be nine conference games this way? Or because there are some who still don't want to play nine conference games. Um, you know, I don't know how they're going to avoid it, but until yeah. you, until you get all those decision makers, ADs, presidents agreed, okay, this is what the scheduling model is going to be, then it's not going to, it's not going to move forward to seamlessly. But you'll have something. But you yeah. know, in four or five years, you're going to have something. So it's going to change on everybody. You know, you look up in when they do a new scheduling model. Who knows who Tennessee is going to have to play every year? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows if A and M is going to turn into Georgia based on their recruiting or not? You know, um, you look at state and Ole Miss, you know, you're the air raid thing. It always takes off and they become hard to defend. And and state's the kind of team that with an offense and a leech offense, they win seven, eight games a year. Well, who are they beating? They're beating somebody. 
Mm-hmm. And they're going to win seven or eight a year with Leach. They are. And so who are they upsetting? Are they ruining Tennessee's season? Are they mm-hmm. ruining Auburn's, you know, like they did last year? Ole Miss, um, that's what you're dealing with with any SEC. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's all trending the right way for Tennessee. It's just they have to circle Georgia mm-hmm. and – and, and, you know, who knows? I just want to play Florida in November. That's all I want. Just move Florida <laughs> in November. The, I am convinced that if we play Florida or at least alternate when we play them, because yes. it's just we're never figured out who we are when we're playing them. And it's just like, give us November, because if we played that game this year in November, we beat the tar really? out of the Gators in sure. November. It was just the wrong time. I'm over it. I'm over the September Florida games. And this one's going to be so tense this year is going because if you're not beating them with the Billy Napier rebuild year with the expectations and hooker and there's just, I I'll be in the building and I just, I'm already tense thinking about it because the, everyone's going to be on pins and needles for that one. It's in Knoxville. It is in Knoxville. Yeah. Tennessee will beat them this year. Hey, look, hold on, Matt. Oh, hold on. Let's hope so. Let's just, I mean, there, I've seen a lot of Tennessee, Florida games in my <laughs> lifetime and that's uh Hey, look, and I know yeah. some people are watching this podcast, but yeah. for those that are listening, Chase just got almost got up out of his seat right there when I yeah. said that. He started moving around, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I, it really- makes me uneasy. <laughs> I just i i wanna i wanna believe that. I, the only thing I'm certain of is the South Carolina Kentucky stuff's got to end. I can't like that's just. The offseason is out of control where we're talking about Stoops and Beamer and Beamer getting co-coach of the year. Look, I, I don't know these guys personally. Look, good for them. Like they seem like good people, but I was in the building for Tennessee drubbing South Carolina, like really, really drubbing them. And it's just the co-coach of the year, uh, newcomer of the year, Hypel having to share that with Beamer was not right. It was not okay. And Hypel's a trooper because I would not have been that uh, good about it or uh, wait, hold on. If it's a tie, don't we do it based on like who won? If we have a head to head, like is that not a separate uh, yeah. thing? But the yeah, no, I'm not worried still about it. Matters, right? The right. Award matters or should anyway. I, get I it. think so. <laughs> um, you went though to Iowa. You went to the Field of Dreams last year, didn't you? What was yes. that like? Oh man, I would go back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, okay, it's kind of soupy because I, you know, I have a nostalgic bone and. And, uh, and, and the nostalgia itch that's got to be scratched, you know, pretty often. Same here. I got Ben Matlock for you right here and Doc Rivers is Atlanta Hawks. So I saw yeah. the Atlanta Hawks uniform and mm-hmm. I wondered who that was. Yeah. Um, Ben Matlock. Ben Matlock. <laughs> nice. Andy Grit. That was my thing. Like I've, people think I'm joking because I get called a boomer by my friends a lot because of how I am. And yeah. like Ben Matlock was my jam. Like I love Bosch on Amazon prime. Like I love stuff like that. Like <laughs> no one my age does. Yeah. It's just who I am. I love Ben Matlock. He was an Atlanta lawyer. If you need a good Atlanta trial lawyer, that was my guy. I watched it on WGN all the time growing up. Yeah. And what it was like, it was a hundred thousand dollars a case. I think yes. was his rate. Mm-hmm. He loved hot dogs. He he could afford a lot of hot dogs with the, yes. the number of cases that he won over the years. And saving sure. on suits. He was wearing the same suit every day. <laughs> the same seersucker suit. That's right. Ben Matlock. That's great. <laughs> great. Great theme song. I don't know that it's a, yeah. you know, because it, it's, if you go sitcom, it's not a sitcom, obviously. So TV, mm-hmm. dra- TV drama, it's a, it's, it's probably a top 10 TV drama uh, theme song. If mm-hmm. we were to go down that route. But, Murder She Wrote, also good. <laughs> Murder She Wrote, good. Uh, again, we're talking about dramas. Don't get me on sitcoms because yeah. it's it's Sanford and Son, and then The Office, mm-hmm. and then everything else. True S- sitcom <laughs> themes. Yeah, 
Home improvement, underrated. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Where were we again? We're talking nostalgia. Oh, I feel the dreams. Yeah. So the movie, the whole thing. To to give you the short version, I'm a long-winded person, so cut me off. But we're out there. This thing could go to Wednesday, which would have been the game three with Vandy mm-hmm. and State. It does go to the game three. And so I know in my planning, I'm out here in Omaha, and I know, okay, they're going to play Wednesday night with the chance that State wins the national championship in baseball. And if they do, I can't be driving home the next day and not be on the air. Mm-hmm. I've got to stay out here to Thursday. Even though the team will go home, they won the night before, i got to be on the air on Thursday to have a local, like a national championship wrap-up show on the mm-hmm. radio. So I stayed on Thursday and thought, if I'm here on Thursday, i got to spend the night out here somewhere on Thursday night. Why not? I'm by myself. I'll just leave Omaha and drive five hours to Dyersville, uh, Iowa, Dyersville, Iowa, tour the Field of Dreams for about an hour, and I'll have a hotel room there, and I'll just drive home the next day on Friday. And um, that's what I did. So got off the air, celebrate the title, show, get off the air at 3, get in a car, leave Omaha. Here I go to Dyersville. Beautiful drive, beautiful part of the country if you've never seen it in that time of year. It's just, it's unbelievable. And five hours is five hours in the car. But that time of year in the summer out there, in, like up in Iowa, it's not getting dark until like 9.30 Eastern time that night, okay? And they, mm-hmm. the Field of Dreams was open until 9 p.m. I leave at 3, I pull up, I go down the driveway at 8 o'clock, I see the house, I get out, I have one hour. Because it's so late in the day, two things. One, mm-hmm. there's almost nobody else there because it's 8 p.m. And mm-hmm. two, the sun is setting. It's golden hour. Anybody that's ever shot video or taken pictures knows I'm talking about how important it is to be somewhere at golden hour when yeah. the sun's just dipping. And um, even though I was by myself, the only thing that would have made it better is if I'd had family with me, you know, wife, daughter, dad. But uh, to, to see it, I was highly recommend it that time of year for anyone because the corn's going to be up. It's going to look like it did similarly in the movie. Uh, Dyersville's not a very big place. You got to think about the hotel thing ahead of time because there there's like two hotels in that town. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and so you can't uh, sleep but, in the cornfields. You can't just sleep on the on the baseball well, field. There's no yeah. I, I, you definitely could because you get mm-hmm. lost out there for sure. Nobody would mm-hmm. ever know you're out there, you know. Oh, and you can if you plan ahead and spend the money, you can reserve to spend the night in the house. Oh, um, that's sitting next to the field, the house from mm-hmm. the movie. The bleachers that are there on the first base side are the actual ones from the movie that hmm. they were hammering the nails into. You can see the spot on the bleachers where Kevin Costner carved in it. Ray loves Annie. You know, mm-hmm. it's just sort of a joke. Um, those things are there. Some of the layout has changed a little bit in terms of the walking paths. And when I was there this past summer, you could see off to the west the the modern field where the Yankees and White Sox played later in the summer in the Field of Dreams game out there. You could see mm-hmm. where that was built. But uh, of all the cool things on that trip to to go and to cover the College World Series, see State win it, first national championship, to follow it up with driving over the Field of Dreams was just – it was a dream type of week, honestly. It was awesome. Can't recommend going up there highly enough. 
There you go. I'm going to have to do that at some point. That would be good. Yeah. Um, has the leech experience gone basically how you thought it would to this point? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's see. The first game out of the shoots, putting up 600 yards on LSU. I know it was a mm-hmm. COVID year. Now, I didn't expect that immediately. Um, I don't think anybody would have. Mm-hmm. And two, that same How's KJ Costello doing, though? Seems pretty good. I think that'll work out. <laughs> My gosh. Have, I had him well, as a Heisman guy. Like that was one of those where I was talking to people. I was like, he's got like, I, I love that fit in Starkville. Like this should be a slam dunk. Well, and everybody, we all did. Yeah. And, and then the next week, that's what I was going to say. Sort of this precipitous, just downfall, the offense, yeah. the next two weeks, like what do you do? Maybe overstating, but I think it was like four interceptions against Arkansas or three the next week and then four or five against Kentucky the following Yeah. The Kentucky week. was the, the dam breaker, right? Like that was. Yeah. It just was really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went from first two to th- three weeks of the season went from as good as that offense could possibly look against anyone to as bad <laughs> as it could possibly look against anyone in those last. But anyway, uh, outside of that initial up and down, I think, yeah, it kind of has gone the way you expected in that it just, it's going to progressively get a little better each week and a little better each month, a little better each year. It's not going to blow you away initially. There'll be some people that necessarily won't like it because you don't run the ball. You're just going to, but you're going to look at the numbers and go, okay, yeah, that's up. Completion percentage went up. Okay. Touchdowns, yeah, touchdowns went up Mm -hmm. and slowly but surely. And now they're about to hit a year where quietly they, they've got the pieces. You know, they, they would have loved to have gotten Makai Polk, Makai Polk back at uh, receiver this year just, um, for the continuity, but the, um, they'll, they'll be tough offensively when they roll it out there this year. Well, I mean, you got Charles Cross, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Um, you had a, a really good video about whether or not he could be getting number one, and that's still in play because we don't know until uh, we just get the first pick called out. It seems like it's going to be a lot of defensive tackles and defensive edge rusher guys. Like, this yeah. is going to be lot of Thibodeaux and Hutchinson's and every Georgia player known to man um, getting their name called pretty early, but there's a, there's a lot of talent there. It's just when you look at the quarterback rankings in the sec right now, I uh, it's just so interesting because Will Rogers, people don't know what to do with Will Rogers. You can tell when you look at different pieces where people I respect and I'll read it. I'm like, he's number two on some people's he's number 13 on others. And you're like, no one has any idea because What's unique about being a Mike Leach quarterback is like, you're not going to get the credit. It doesn't matter if, if you're good, they're like, Oh, he's a product of the Mike Leach system. And if you're bad, it's like, well, then <laughs> the guess what that's on you. So there's no, it, if you fail in his system, it's on you. If you succeed, it's on him. So yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. it's an unfair thing. Do you think it's a fair assessment on that? It's interesting. I, that's a, that's an accurate observation. A lot of people, um, yeah, if it works, it's the system. Sort of mm-hmm. uh, and the thing about it is, I mean, those guys don't play in the system unless they're they're capable. That's one thing we've learned. Like, no, Mike Leach has never played anybody just because they were on scholarship and the other guy wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. sort of. Did. He's going to find a guy who can run the offense. And one, I my theory, maybe a little longer at state, and we'll have some video we could include them and maybe do a video on this. But my theory is that one reason so many of the Mike Leach quarterbacks have gotten chances and shots at the NFL and played and stuff 
is because of the sheer just unreal numbers of reps those quarterbacks get throwing the back shoulder against man-to-man, the fade in the red zone against man-to-man. They rep it more than anybody in the country. The offense historically has completed that stuff, the man-to-man stuff, better and more accurately than anybody in the country. And when you get in the NFL, that's the thing you have to be able to hit. you got to be able to have a threat of, if you're a corner and you play bump man on my outside guy and you turn your back to the quarterback, it may be a completion on the back shoulder. Mm -hmm. If you play bump man and you give my guy on the outside a step past you in the red zone, it's probably a touchdown in the back corner because a quarterback's that accurate. Well, those guys, all of them have done that in that air raid offense. because They rep it to death hmm. to, to the point that that's part of how it works is it forces defenses to not want to play it, especially at the college level. And we could really get deep on it, but, you know, first game out of the shoots ever at State. Mm-hmm is LSU. What LSU do? Played man-to-man. State beat it like a drum. And you're going, how are they? The year before, they couldn't throw. Could yeah. not throw the ball. You saw them in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Like a, Throwing a pass was an adventure. So that's still a Nick Fitzgerald year? Yeah. Yeah. And here we are the very next year, and frankly, if you, it's the first game out of the shoots, and just because of the way they practice, Mm-hmm. If you line up here and play zero coverage against my guys, we're completing the ball over your head because we can do it with one eye shut. That's the practice. Really, yeah. And so immediately to Barry Odom in Arkansas, they back off and play zone and say, you completed in front of us for five yards. And if you do that all the way down the field, we'll shake your hand after the game. But we <laughs> don't think you can do it consistently enough. And sure enough, you couldn't. So um, that, Will Rogers is an example. Um, he's the first freshman that's ever played for Mike Leach because of necessity. Hmm. And he is a guy who has a natural accuracy about him. And Mike Leach will talk about that. Um, there are a lot of guys with big arms that have come through there and stuff, but don't have that just natural ability to put it where a guy can catch it running. He, will has that. And so as he continues to get bigger and stronger, he's, he's really up until this point, his body has still looked smaller and more like mm-hmm. a high school. He's starting to look like a college guy now. Um, it's, he's getting enough he's country, really please. And sausage. Yeah. No, I mean, we eat good in Mississippi, mm-hmm. man. He's going to these baseball games and yeah. hang, hanging out in left field lounge. But I don't he's know if he get a shot. Yeah. I mean, he's. <sighs> It's just, I'm excited to see what they look like because the, I mean, Ole Miss gets all the coverage. Like you, it, when it comes to football lane, obviously bringing a lot of that, uh, it's just a very different vibe in Starkville versus Oxford. Like it's a completely different kind of program, both fun offenses, but for very different reasons. Um, but it's also the defense. Like I think people overlook Arnett and I think he is just like the unsung not hero, but just linchpin to keep this thing moving with just the SEC is not about defense, defense, defense anymore. Saban flipped that. Like this is an offense, offense league. And Kirby had to adapt. That's why he brought in Monken. Like you have to have that, but it's also with so much firepower all around the conference, you need to have the right defensive coordinator in there. And it seems like Arnett 
has been really, really good for state. And I think he's probably someone that should get a lot more love uh, than maybe he's getting to this point. Right. I agree. And he is a, a very important piece for them and having that continuity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and chase, there's a lot about state these last couple of years where really, if you, if you just win some more games, you know, uh, to this point, they haven't uh, in the, in the head to head between Leach and Kiffin Leach hasn't won yet. Kiffin's won both. And so, you know, it's like, He's got a really bad game in bowl, in rivalry games, right? Isn't Leach's rivalry numbers weirdly awful? Weirdly awful. Yeah. Washington State versus Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so so you win some some of these other games and there is more buzz and a little more talk mm-hmm. and attention and those kinds of things. And so that's really what it boils down to. But, you know, that's the other thing, too, is I think people around here, it's hard to f- get used to the idea that the coaching staff stays together. Mm-hmm. That's a thing about Leach that's been interesting is he's not been a guy who's had to replace coaches year upon year. When Mullen was here at state, it was like a new defensive coordinator <laughs> yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, it was just constant turnover. And so to see him keep a staff together, there's something about the way he runs things that guys get in there and coach for him and just stay, you know, um, and, uh, and and Arnett's a guy who's had some opportunities. He's interviewed at some different places, but he's stuck around, and it's really important. Their scheme is important. They're, they're a three three five, and which a lot of people are going to as a base, just because everybody's spread, and and you got to have slot corners now in the NFL. I mean, in the, in college football, like the NFL, all that stuff. Uh, he's a fit. If you want to stop hypo, you definitely need some slot corners. <laughs> well, that's it, and you got to be able to fake injuries. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Take take a dive. Look at you. You're throwing a bone for all my Tennessee listeners. I like it. Well, we have talked about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the thing. Like, I don't like it at all. It sends mm-hmm. all the wrong messages. It cheats the game. There's always been a respect sort of for the game from coaches and programs over the years, knowing that an official cannot officiate whether or not you have faked right. an injury or not. Okay, well, now it's being abused, and it opens the door to this. So, so I make a statement on the radio after all. I said, I think it's more it's, – it's kind of an integrity issue is, mm-hmm. is really what we're talking about here. Well, then I asked Mike Leach about it. You know, and he's my coach in my school, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's got an integrity. He goes, yeah, they need to do something about it. He goes, but you can't let the other guys be good at doing it and get an advantage and you not be prepared to do it yourself. Yeah. And when you think, okay, you're paying these guys five, six, seven million dollars a year, he's just looking at it from a competition standpoint, going, look, if you're not going to do anything about it and they're going to use it to their advantage, well, heck, we're going to use it to our advantage too. Right. So I don't know what the answer is. I know they're saying they're going to address it, but I mean, I think the answer is you got to sit, like, it's the sit out stuff where it's like, if you do it, like, you're out, like, you're out for the drive. Like, that's it for the drive or something. You got to do something severe to that point where it's like, all right, you're injured. Then you do not need to be on the football field for a little bit or you've sure. got to be out. And that if I think would curb can, a lot of it. If you can get to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Now I, I hate to say somebody should get up and hobble off if their legs hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to the sideline, um, there's no sit out. There's right. no timeout either, but there's no sit out. 
But if you're on the turf, man, I'm sorry, but you're going to be evaluated for a period of time. It's just the way it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know. So yeah. And and then and then, um, then offenses can say, okay, well, we don't want the defense to be able to put a, a fresh guy on the field so that he can fall. Well, hmm. keep keep your guys on the field then, because if you substitute, they're subbing. You know, it brings all that. So you're you're probably right. That probably is the answer. Football is chess. There's always you, you think you got one move, and then you think you've. Uh, you got him trapped. You got the queen trapped, and you just don't. There's always another move for a lot of these coaches. That's um, right. That's right. It's the most complicated sport, and it's not even close how complicated football is compared to every other sport. It's not even close. No doubt. Um, when you when you factor in roster management too, mm-hmm. holy cow! I mean, that's the biggest thing that I I was talking about that in the national college football show before this was that like the biggest thing that where it's not nil, it's not the portal. It's this kind of bleeds into the portal, but Fans, and I don't know if you feel like this when you have callers from Mississippi State where it's like people don't know where Bo Nix is anymore. People don't know where their guys are anymore. It's yeah. if unless you cover college football daily and you are a professional, it is an impossible sport to keep up with now. And what these administrators and what these people did not understand about these changes was that like the NFL can do this because there's 32 teams. Like you can have a bunch of movement with 32 teams people that's an it's a little bit more but you can keep up with it you can you can keep up with that right. 130 with this kind of movement and just with the high school aspect of it the graduate transfer the port it is impossible there are going to be so many games now where people are like who it's the charles barkley who we play for but it's just everybody <laughs> and that hurts the game it's like people got like one of the things that helped college football for was like i get four years with my star I get three at minimum with my guy. I get to grow with him. I get to watch him move up in the program. I get to just see him rise and get better year over year. Now you're not getting that. Now you're just getting people all over the place. And there's no, like you're going to have a lot of JT Daniels where they play at three different spots. And of course they're crazy. You're like, where does he even associate his college experience with? Like what hat is he wearing when he's 28 years old, walking around post football? Is he rocking a Georgia hat, a USC hat or whoever? Like, that is a totally different thing that hurts fan enjoyment. Like that is something that I am terrified for the future of the sport is that it's just too hard for the average fan to follow. Chase, you know, it's one thing that over the years has tethered the fan to the program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is the getting to know who your team is, you know, who are my players? What can they do? Is he going to improve enough from this year to next to give us a chance? Mm-hmm. What are those position values? So it's tethered the fan base to the program, that connection with the individuals. We're people. We connect with people. You've severed that. Mm-hmm. You've severed it. Or or uh, maybe severed is not the right word, but what you have done is you've made it really, really easy for a majority of your fan base to go, eh, I'm just going, you know, I'll go to three games. But those mm-hmm. other those other four, hey, I'm out, man. I'm out mm-hmm. of those. I'll stay home. Made it a lot easier for lots of people to go, eh, I still <laughs> like it, but I'll go to a couple. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? I'm still gonna watch. I still want them to win. I'm not going up there. I'm not spending yeah. my money. Because that's where we are now, 2022. Two years ago, we had COVID and nobody got to go to campus. We shut it down. And what happened then? 
people who've been attending games and tailgating at seven home games a year at all these schools went a portion of every one of those fan bases who were the on-campus attendees every week went, mm-hmm. man, I, I kind of like spending this money on camping mm-hmm. or spending it on fishing or spending <laughs> on that camper or spending it on fixing up my truck. I kind of like that. You know what? I ain't going back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you knew coming out of 2020 because of that, you're going to have to replace a certain portion of your fan base. You got to replace them. They're not coming back. So you knew that. Now this, with the portal deal, what you're saying, we don't even know who's on the team. I talk to a lot of people who say, hey, look, my approach, give me the roster in August. I'll learn the names and numbers in August. Just give me the roster then. All right, so you've you made it easier to disconnect there. I'm just going yep. back away. I'm not as connected to my team as I used to be. Well, if I'm not as connected, what am I not going to do? Spend money. Two, go. Mm-hmm. What did we just see? College football, this steady decline in attendance across the country that's been happening now for years. They've been monitoring it, trying to figure it out, but it's it's not a steep decline in attendance. It's just steady. Across mm-hmm. the country, a steady decline. I think for these things I'm mentioning, that decline is about to get steeper next yeah. year and the year after that. And the year, because, and here's the scary part. It has been also coinciding with a, the same decline, steady, not terrible, but steady decline in viewership in your playoff and championship. Mm-hmm. All right. If you're going to lose them in the stadium, you can't lose them on TV. Yeah. Right. So that's the big thing that they're going to have to figure out the portal. All that stuff makes it harder. I don't, I certainly don't have the answer. And that's why somebody like you says, uses the word terrified mm-hmm. is because we don't have the answers either. And we probably don't give ourselves enough credit, Chase. You and I could sit down and we're smart enough to really, we could get in the room with some of these ADs and talk to yeah. them about it. Okay. But we don't have the answers. And guess what? They don't either. And you're, the difference is like you don't have a czar. You don't have a Roger Goodell. You don't have someone to step in and lead. It's just every conference has their own agenda. Every team has their own agenda. Every like right. it's just you have a it's impossible. It's not one singular governing body. So when I'm saying I'm terrified, I'm like, there's no path to fixing this because once the floodgates have been opened, there's no one. Greg Sankey's not saving this. He can't control what everyone else is going to do here. Like the floodgates are open. Once they're open, you can't close them back up. And there's no organizational structure to get this back on track. So I, it's just so weird because it's like they did this to themselves. They knew this was coming forever. And instead of just a little by little being careful, being thoughtful, working as a conglomerate and being like, hey, this thing's coming. Let's get on the same page so that it doesn't Mm -hmm. completely disrupt everything we've built over a hundred years instead they were like well we'll just deal with that when (laughs) when that comes up and then it came up and there's no turning back no turning back um if i were to be forced to make predictions um one thing i'm pretty certain is going to have you're going to see more bob bowlesby's retire Mm -hmm. news comes yesterday he's retiring doesn't like the way things are going. Greg Sankey's the longest tenured uh, Power Five commissioner. How that's insane. He's the insane. only commissioner pre twenty twenty. And and you know so copy and paste that headline about Bob Bowlesby retiring and just get ready. There will be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and ads, you know, people work on stuff coming. Coaches, 
I know coaches. you talk to coaches. I talk to coaches. They're exhausted. They're going to high school. They're going to the mm-hmm. NFL if they can get there and just get ready. And then other people will step in to make the money for a couple of years and then they'll hang it up. Um, I also think that it, it just, it always leads me back to, yeah, okay, here comes Texas and Oklahoma. Somebody like the SEC, Sankey, you know, he didn't necessarily seem to have great relationships with these other conferences or care that much about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to hook up and do the breakaway thing and have a whole different way of managing this. It may involve financials. I've heard coaches, I've heard coaches in college, guys mm-hmm. that are currently employed, say, um, <clears throat> the only thing that's going to fix any of this long term is to have us have a structure where you can have contracts with all your players. Um, he said, you know, coaches, they have the contracts, but there's a buyout. So if a coach mm-hmm. bounces, and breaks a contract, well, the school's at least going to benefit financially, and they've invested in him and promoted him, you know. Well, that's the NIL thing. It's the kids who dip and, like, how that works. When they get the money, and they're like, all right, I'm transferring. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just gave you a million dollars to do BMW Tuscaloosa. How does this work? And and I'm telling you, Chase, uh, whether we know it or not, it either exists now or will at some Mm. point. And that is there will be, if not already, a name, image, and likeness deal somewhere that you and I haven't seen language of some written agreement. And it says, here's the buyout clause. Mm -hmm. You transfer, here's the buyout clause. Here's how that works. We're not forking. You want to be an adult? You want to be a businessman? Like, here you go. I was, that's right. That's the real world. I was five years out of college working at a local TV station and had an opportunity, Mm -hmm. uh, a tremendous career opportunity in the the outdoor world that involved television stuff that I wanted to pursue, they came to me and I could not go without uh, contractually without figuring out a way to come up with a lot of cash to buy Mm -hmm. out of the contract I was under at that time. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. That's the real world. And right now it has swung the other way. It was imbalanced one way in college football and to correct it, they've swung the seesaw back the other way and that's out of balance the other way. We're going to have a kid. This is going to be so sad, but we're going to have some kids going to jail for tax evasion uh, with NIL stuff in a couple of years. Right. Like that's, that's going to happen. Like we're going to get these stories of like, Oh, I didn't know I had to file this or I had to report this and that like, it's going to, the stories uh, like not yet. We're not there cause it's still brand new, but they're going to be stories years from now where we're going to be like, what in the world happened? Because we're in the wild, wild west right now. And guess what? <laughs> it's it, That's how it is now. But there's going to be some repercussions on that front that like, I'm excited for the first athletic story on kid makes $3 million and didn't know I had to file that and claim that money. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's yeah. going to happen. It, if, if we polled a, a college kid, mm-hmm. um, to define IRS and what it stands for and what it means and what they do. I mean, how many would know actually um, a lot, but a lot wouldn't. Okay. I, uh, this is bad. I don't know how I sh- if I should say this on air. This was something I wanted to prove to my parents when I was in uh, undergrad. I think it was a senior and we were at a restaurant. And our server was another uh, college student. And I was like, I think we were talking something political. And I was like, I think y'all are giving my age group too much credit where I, because I keep up with this stuff and I read it, it doesn't, I, I promise you, I know a lot of these, they do not know these basic things. I promise. I know you think they do, but they do not. 
And (laughs) and they were like, no. And I was like, all right, how about this? I guarantee you I'm going to ask three basic political questions, just basic to our server. I guarantee you she won't answer any of them. And she's in college. I guarantee it. And they're like, there's no way. So I asked, I was like, do you mind if I ask, like, I, you don't have to say yes to this, but I have a couple questions. And, it, and she's like, yeah, sure. I asked her who the current vice president of the United States was at this time. This was when Barack Obama was still in office. She could not name the current president of the United States, who was the vice president at the time. And she was like, her first reaction was like, oh my God, I should know this. And I was like, you should know that. That's correct. Like, you, that's a basic <laughs> thing. You're not wrong. And I asked her the next thing. I was like, who's the governor of Georgia right now? And she was like, got, she got more red. And my parents are looking at me like, I'm like, we're not done. We Wait, got one this more. this was in Georgia? This was this in was... Georgia. <laughs> okay. Yes. And no clue. No clue. And I was like, Nathan Deal. And she was like, I don't even know who that is. And I'm like, I know. There you go. And I was like, give me one of our two senators, state senators. And she's like, I didn't even know we had two. And I looked at my parents and I was like, dinner's on y'all because that was the bet. Or I was like, all right, dinner's on y'all. And they were like, I can't. And I, she was, she was like, my parents would be so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't want to, but it was just, I, I knew it. Like, that's just not a, not a thing. Right. Right. So, you know, you're a, um, you're my starting quarterback mm-hmm. and look, we've got, we got, you know, meetings after practice and everything. And Oh, by the way, listen, Wednesday night, I need to spend about three minutes with you. Why coach? We got to talk about taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We're, we're talking about this because you know, you're an 18, 19 year old kid and you're rolling in a hundred, $150,000 in a bank. Yep. I, I'm just saying too, that, there's a need on the up and up. I'm not even talking about the underhanded way on the up and up above board. There is a, there's a tremendous need for financial training and literacy Mm -hmm. and just almost like from a well-being standpoint, if these athletes are going to have access to that at that age, Mm -hmm. because you you ask anybody, I I mean, you ask anybody, even the guys went on and let's say had NFL careers and had million dollars, millions of dollars contracts. You ask them at, at 18, 19, if somebody had walked up and put $80,000, $180,000 in the bank for you, what effect would that have had? And, and to a man, they all say, oh, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah. That would not have been good. And so we, we need to, for their sake, man, yeah, have something in place where – Guardrails. If yeah, if, if, Right. For their own good, have something in place that we do academic training. <laughs> you know, we talk to them about social media. Well, we're also going to train you about the financial part of this because if you don't get it squared away in your head, it's going to mess some people up. You know, I, I mean, my mom's I'm an sure accountant. I would have, oh, 100%. I would have given it all away. Like, I would have been overwhelmed. Like, mom, do whatever you want with this. I, I can't, like, this is gone tomorrow. Like, I'm, I'm buying an $80,000 car tomorrow. I need you to take this now. Like, this has got to go, like, out of my hands. Sure. I, yeah. In, instead of when I was in school, instead of pulling that 15 foot aluminum boat behind my <laughs> truck around campus, mm-hmm. it would have been a 21 foot bass boat. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ranger that, uh, that brand new about $80,000, you know, and then I'd spend the rest of that money putting gas in it. You know, right. I mean, and as fun as that would have been, it would not have been smart. So. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, I guess. 
Well, we'll end on this, Matt. What are what's your finish? Wait, I went fishing on Sunday. I'm back out. It's getting warmer, um, so yeah. I'm feeling good about that. A lot of black bass up here in Knoxville, so diving into that a little bit. Um, there's right. apparently some catfish in uh, Lake Loudon, so I'm looking out for that big catfish guy. But what are you? What are you diving into? What are you looking for uh, in the next couple couple weeks? Oh yes, I mean where I am here in North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I think on the you know latitude, I'm going to be a little farther south, so it's perfect where I live. And I've got two lakes here within walking distance of where I live, and um, so I bass fish primarily. So, and we have largemouth. We have smallmouth bass like you have there in the river mm-hmm. in Knoxville. Um, but it's a little bit farther north of here, up in like Quick in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, largemouth bass. And what I do this time of year is I go in first thing in the morning when the sun's coming up and I throw a topwater, mm-hmm. you know, topwater baits because you get to see them actually hit the lure and you catch them. Uh, and then throughout the day, too, we we start sight fishing where you can actually see fish on the bed. Now I catch and relief mostly. So mm-hmm. I don't mind if I see, you know, a fish on the bed and especially a large one, you know, you can flip and, and catch it and now release it and it goes right back. Uh, I kind of, you know, I would feel guilty about, you know, catching one, taking it off the bed when she's getting ready to lay eggs and reproduce or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then we also, we brim fish here. Uh, like I take my daughter this time of year and, we fish with crickets, and so that's hmm. fun. And a cork, and she gets to watch the cork go under and knows to catch the fish and everything. But I will tell you this. So, mm-hmm. you know, going to a game at Nayland, I guess that was 2018, and I'm looking at that river. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful, and it's right there on campus. See, when it, it, it just would not have been good for me to be a student <laughs> at the University of Tennessee. I would have never gotten anything done except in that river. Um well, it probably would have been better because that's a pretty polluted river. I don't know. Oh, you might have been a different. You might have been a different person. You might have been like a cyborg after that. I don't know. You might have been like an eyeball, alien. Eyeball yeah, all over here. And, yeah, <laughs> walking with yeah. a strange limp. Yeah, the Tennessee River is a, 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 a better. Okay. You, yeah. Well, I didn't Just know. Don't that. drink it. Now, oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you swim, you know, do this. Sort of yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, well, I hate to hear that, but I'm not surprised, unfortunately. Yeah. Lake Loudon, though, a little bit different. Lake Loudon, and I, uh, yeah, it, I'm still learning because I'm still, uh, like, I'm a Lake Lanier local. Like, that's what I grew up in, and, like, yeah. Lake Lanier was the big one. And the mystery there, folks, if you want to dive in and do some Lake Lanier is haunted type stuff and really understand why that's the weirdest lake in the country, just do some background. I'm, I know you're a history doesn't it, guy. Doesn't Lake Lanier really doesn't it have big fluctuations like it'll get really low or am i thinking mm-hmm. of some other like, like i mean it does get though? fluctuations but it was built on a town so there's like they flooded a town to yeah it's it i'm telling you lake lanier is just <sighs> the history behind the it it's a man mm-hmm. huh. did they let the people know they were going to flood the <laughs> <laughs> i mean like how much warning did they have Chase? <laughs> <laughs> now i gotta pull that up i don't know what the gap in between uh <laughs> there was yeah. no uh email back then <laughs> just to, like get out right. of here <laughs> <laughs> what they do they you know they put flyers in the mailbox i mean <laughs> oh maybe put a you know a horse and buggy goes goes by on main street one day and on the side of the buggy there's a sign that says uh, this town will be flooded on, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious about that. Well, here it is. I got it for you. 
Oscarville is what the town was called. When Lake Lanier was formed in the 1950s, it washed over Oscarville and turned into an underwater ghost town. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, vague. Mm-hmm. That's a little vague. Well, yeah, I'm just just look into it. I'm, I I feel like you'll like you'll like the background there and what uh, okay. what yeah, all I'm went into read that. About it. I'm a, I'm definitely going to read about it. Hey, well, so uh, you're going to watch mm-hmm. the Braves tonight, right? I am going to watch the Braves tonight, eight o'clock. Okay, we played uh, in in celebration. I'm a Braves fan. We played mm-hmm. a bunch of clips of what it used to sound like when you would watch the Braves on WTBS when I was growing up and Ernie yeah. and Skip and those guys. And we and just for nostalgia, we played a clip. Nineteen July nineteen eighty six, Bob Horner hit four home runs in a game against mm-hmm. the Montreal Expos. Uh we played those clips, those highlights, and the Braves lost. Okay. <laughs> that was nineteen eighties Braves for you. Mm-hmm. Bob Horner hits four home runs in a game, but you lose. People don't remember that. Like they just remember the fourteen straight division titles, but it was the worst of first was a thing. And right. I mean, I still have the I was four years old when we won in ninety five, but there's VHS at my parents' house and um of that whole thing and i remember like how big of a deal and just growing up and it was it was a thing and now we got this behind me hold on let's see can you see 2021 there look at that added the date that's it world series champs i saw the sign so yeah i'll be watching tonight uh, along with you and every other braves fan as we begin our title defense yeah and i can't wait to see what ronald acuna says next matt white how do we (laughs) incredible i love that that was dropped the day before opening day i just love that that was um lots of drama that freddie freeman lots of drama with that guy i mean hey what in the world no eye black in his clubhouse can't do it (laughs) (laughs) matt white how do we uh check out your show and everything you got going on maybe the easiest way uh on twitter i'm radio wyatt uh lots of links go out there and uh, you can check out the website, Matt Wyatt Media. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're ever uh, wanting to catch it on the radio, and, and of course the radio show, like I said, it goes out on podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but you can just look up the Matt Wyatt show and it'll be there. And I really do appreciate it, Chase. It's good to talk to you. All right, man. This was great. I know I took way too much of your time today. I did not think it was going to go this long, but this was, this was good. This is a good conversation. It's impossible for me to say anything in less than two hours. How about that? There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Matt Wyatt, always a pleasure. We'll have to check back in again soon. Yeah. Please. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.